Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast, sharing stories of transformation after pregnancy and infant loss. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Tia, hello. Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast. How are you? Hi, Bailey. I'm good. I'm excited to do this. Me too. You are somebody who I have been watching and following through the connection of Share Parents of Utah. Mm-hmm. And I am so excited to finally get to know you and your story a little more personally. And I also look forward to seeing you at more Share events as we move forward. But First, I would love for everyone else to get to know Tia Hansen a little bit better. What are a couple things about you? Um, I am a boring local Utah who's lived here in Utah County my whole life, <laughs> born and raised, um, my husband as well. Um, we both went to high school together, but we didn't date or anything in high school, met up after high school and in college, and we just... We started dating from there, and yeah, we I, we both graduated from UVU. Um, I have my degree in public health, and I yeah, really interested in the health world and medical world. Um, something interesting about me, um, I like to I like to say this just because it's kind of funny and unique. Um, I am like a Seinfeld nerd. I love Seinfeld, <laughs> and. Yeah. In college, um, when I was going to UVU, he was one of the, he was like a guest speaker or something. And he came to, or yeah, here in Orem, Utah. And I ran up and I was the first one to meet him and have like his autograph and a picture with him. So. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow. What a celebrity sighting. That's amazing. (laughs) Kind of random and nerdy, but kind of fun. Yes. Super fun. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. I need to get into that series. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your family that you and your husband created after, you know, kindling your relationship in college. Yeah. So we were one of the many of Utahns who didn't date for very long, but we knew that we were meant to be. And we dated and got married back in 2012. We just had our 11th anniversary. Congrats. And we had our first son, Cove, uh, K-O-V-E, kind of, yeah, kind of a different name, but yeah. I love um, that name, actually. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we had Cove when we, two days after our second wedding anniversary, three days, sorry, three days after our wedding, second wedding anniversary. Um, so he is nine now and then we had Lydia she is six and then um, after we had Lydia so yeah after we had Lydia we had uh, our Brayton who is we who's we sorry I can't talk is who we are going to talk about tonight our sweet little angel baby who we miss so so much and wish he was running around with his siblings um And then we are fortunate enough that we had a rainbow baby uh, two years ago, um, which I didn't think I would ever have after a loss. And as you know, and many know, after a loss, it's like, it's, it's petrifying to 
go through that again. So, um, yes, we have our rainbow baby. Her name's Skylar Grace. And, yeah, she just turned two. And so, yeah, we have four kids, three here on Earth. Wow. What a sweet family. And so I'd love for you to, you know, take us through Brayton's story, like how, how that pregnancy went and everything. Yeah, so Brayton, um, it was a hard pregnancy. I was sick with all four pregnancies, um, but he was he was up there, probably the worst pregnancy, which there's no correlation to his death or anything with my sickness, but I was, oh, I was so sick. Um, my announcement actually for him was, um, my husband was really busy, a lot of crazy stuff going on at his company at the time. And so our um, announcement was me laying on the couch with a puke bowl. Our two-year-old, she wasn't even two yet. She was almost two, screaming and crying in the middle of the picture. And then um, our little boy, I don't remember what he was doing in the picture. I think getting into trouble or something. And then my husband had the, his laptop and was trying to hold on to one of the kids with his other hand. And it was just kind of representing our life at the time. It was just kind of chaotic. I was so sick. I couldn't get off the couch. Um, so yeah, it was a rough, rough pregnancy. Um, I had to go do IV therapy and, you know, everything checked out fine though. Everything was always normal. Uh, he was always right on with the scans and everything. His heartbeat, everything was great. Um, so our little Lydia, she turned to the end of February and we're like, oh my goodness, we can't believe we have a barely two-year-old and we're going to be having this baby soon. And I know people do that every day, have kids close in age, if not even closer, but um, we were, you know, kind of nervous and anxious all together. And um, so two weeks after her birthday, um, our, another thing is our son our oldest, he had to go to um, the local um, children's hospital to go get some work done on his mouth. And um, I, I was frantically searching to find a doctor or a dentist that would get us in because we got turned away by a few different dentists. They're like, oh, we can't do that in time or this or that. And I finally found a dentist and he's like, all right, I can take you on this day because my wife is due um, any day with having a baby. And I'm like, oh, same. I'm like, let's let's get this surgery done. Um, and so I found this awesome dentist and he met us up at primaries. And that morning when I woke up, um, I had a lot of anxiety already just because I knew, you know, it was just a simple procedure for him, but he needed to be sedated and everything. But I woke up just feeling something was wrong. I didn't know if it was about him or just in general, but I felt heavy and I thought, okay, something is seriously wrong. Um, and I remember yeah, just waking up crying and my husband came in, followed me and was like, what's the matter? I said, I, I don't feel well. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm just feeling a lot. And I also woke up that morning sick. Um, turns out I had laryngitis, but um, my husband, see, my husband said, let me, let me take him to a surgery. You stay home. You get rest. You, you need your body. You need to take care of your body. Um, so he took him up to have the surgery done as well as both of our moms. It's nice having both moms close by to help. With, they're awesome with those things. Um, and I woke up and kind of got going and I was just like, oh, 
I don't feel well. And I also don't know if I've been feeling the baby move. And we didn't know if it was a boy or girl. Cause at that time we had our, had a boy, we had a girl. So we wanted it to be, to be a surprise. And I started doing all the tricks and everything, you know, the juice and just everything. Um, and I called my sister-in-law and she came over and helped me and tried to comfort me. And, um, I finally, when my husband got home, I was like, Hey, I think I need to go into the hospital. Um, I knew I wanted to do it earlier, but at the same time, I feel like I knew something was wrong. And so I put it off even longer, um, which is crazy because just the day prior I had gone in, um, for my last checkup, um, cause I was, I was full time, I was full term and she, my doctor did an ultrasound, listened to the heartbeat. Everything was perfect. She said, all right. I'll see you at the hospital next week. I had my date set up. Um, and so something something in 24 hours changed. Um, so I went, yeah, I went to labor and delivery. And even just talking about it, I can feel, I can just feel it. Walking into labor and delivery, it was just so eerie. And I, I, I knew something was wrong at that point. I, I knew it was serious. I don't think I knew to what degree of seriousness it was, but I knew something was wrong. And so as I was walking through labor and delivery, it was texting my husband um, because I even told him, I was like, oh, don't worry. Like, it's fine. I'm going to go in. And he's like, no, I'm coming home because he worked in Salt Lake at the time. So, you know, a little less than an hour from Salt Lake to where we were living. And I was like, no, just go. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Um. But, you know, part of me, of course, wanted him with me, but I also was like, no, like it's, if, it, if he comes, it's more serious, you know, like, no, it's fine. Um, but luckily I had my mother-in-law with me. Um, so I walked into labor and delivery and, you know, they instantly, you know, have me get a gown on and they start um, checking with the ultrasound and the nurse um, scanning, you know, after that point, you know, third kid, lots of ultrasounds. You know, you you know when you you don't you don't hear those certain things on the ultrasound, and and then when she told me um, I need to go get the doctor, um, I looked at my mother-in-law and I knew that something was seriously wrong. And the doctor came in, and he yeah told me the worst news that lots of moms have received here, this part of this crappy club. Um, that, yeah, that there was no heartbeat and something less than 24 hours had changed. He had passed away and I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I was so distraught. I couldn't even call my husband Logan. I was so distraught. I was, uh, it was terrible. And so he raced to me from Salt Lake to Provo and it was the middle of, it was like the end of winter time. And he, it was a blizzard. It was construction, five o'clock traffic on a Friday. And he could not get to me. And I'm, you know, just like, I need you here now. I need you. I need you. And um, luckily, um, when they were stopped, there was a police officer next to them. And he rolled down the window and told him the situation. And this awesome officer said, follow me. I'm going to escort you to the hospital, <laughs> which is just. Oh, what just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and after all this, I did contact this officer and I thanked him. And because that, I mean, that was such a blessing to have someone get my husband to me quicker. Um, 
so my husband got to the hospital and, um, you know, instantly just, oh, me and him together, just, it, it was just, it was unreal. Um, and my doctor came rushing in because it wasn't my doctor that told me the terrible news. And she came to me and I just said, what's wrong? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? And she was just so distraught and she was just like, I'm so sorry. I have no idea why. And I love my doctor. She was just amazing. She, she's turned into a hero to me and such a dear friend. Um, I've had, I have a relationship with her still. And um, anyway, she said, all right, we need to take you back to C-section. Let's, let's get your baby delivered. And at that point, we still didn't know if it was a, if it was going to be another son or another daughter. And so we asked her, we said, before we have any more surprises, this week, this day's been full of surprises. Can you tell us the gender? And so she told us you're having a boy. And so we went back to the cold um, OR and delivered our sweet, perfect, healthy baby. And where he had only passed 24 hours prior, his skin, he still looked really, he looked really good. His lips, you know, were black, of course, from not being alive, but he looked so good. And we just held him for all night. We held him all night. And um, the next, and, and it was late at that point. I think that was about 8.30 at night. And so both of our families brought our other two kids to us to meet him. And, you know, how do you tell, you know, your two-year-old? This is your baby that, you know, we've been talking about and they're, they're not alive anymore. And we have all these special pictures. And I think, I think you might have someone, a kid close to two, you know, two-year-olds, they don't, they're crazy. We've got our two-year-old now and she's just a crazy little thing. But our little daughter at two years old, um, it was, it was very spiritual. Um, she held him and we have all these special pictures with both of our kids holding their baby brother. Um, and um, that's something that I highly advise to others that go through something like this, get all the pictures. And I know it might seem morbid and you might not, you might not want that, you know, but I promise you, I mean, there's even pictures that I wish I had more of like, Oh, I wish I would have had a picture of this or that, but just take them. Um, get someone in there that will just take pictures of their feet, their hands, their the back of their head, their their little bum, like just everything, every just every little piece of them. Um because those pictures we cherish, they're all over in our home. And he is a piece of our family still. Um that morning when I woke up feeling sick and feeling like something was wrong, um and I was, you know, expressing it to my husband. He, um, we're religious and he, he opened up the book of Mormon and said, well, let's just try and find something that sounds, you know, reassuring or comforting. And he wasn't finding what he was trying to find. Um, and so he just kind of turned to a page and opened it. He went to, um, Alma 32, 21 and it's faith is not having perfect knowledge in things. And, you know, at that point, we didn't, you know, think too much of it. But now and immediately after um, delivering that baby, we knew that we were in that scripture for a reason. We didn't know why that was happening. We weren't okay that that was happening. But if we had faith, we know it's part of things. And that it's just, it's, oh, it's something that's kept us going.
we don't have perfect knowledge and things and we're not okay with some of the things that happen in our lives. Really hard things happen to lots of people and you know, good, bad things do happen to good people and that it's hard. But if you do have that faith, it does keep you going. And whether anyone's religious or not, I, I hope that someone can find that piece of just not having the knowledge of things, but knowing that things do work out in the end, even if it's not the way you want and you don't have to accept it. You know, we don't accept, you know, we don't get accept or get over these trials in life, but it, it, yeah. It, so that's, that's something that's really helped us. Um, but anyway, yeah. So our sweet little Brayton was born in March of 2019 he was actually our biggest baby, which is crazy. He was only um, six pounds, 14 ounces. So he was still just little, but he was our biggest baby. He was our healthiest. Um, we don't understand exactly why it happened. Um, we did do a full autopsy, and it showed that he had some stress on his heart and lungs. Um, so possibly an arrhythmia, but nobody can answer that for sure. Um, but we are glad that we tried to get some answer to some degree. Um, so we buried him. Um, and that was a whole blur. That was just our parents, actually, our amazing parents bought his, is it plots, right? Plot, is that how you say it? At the cemetery, yeah. Because they're like, you guys should not be doing this. And so they bought his plot for us and they basically planned the funeral. We didn't, we couldn't think about that. We were... There's no way we could have done that. Um, between our parents and family and friends, we were carried so much, like just completely blown away by the support, the community, um, and my doctor taking care of, she took care of like my medical bills and she's like, you shouldn't have to pay for these things when something like this happens. It just so many good things happened. Um, which in your questions, you kind of talk about the transformation of a butterfly and the end result. Um, empathy. I think empathy is just, I see things so differently now. And, you know, you don't understand or even sometimes when you see other people going to dealing with things, you're just kind of like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Like, or you scroll past it or you're you just don't understand something until you go through something. Um, and so my eyes were open in a completely different way of with how to deal with empathy and how to help others and listen to others and learn that, you know what, sometimes saying things isn't going to help, unfortunately. Like, and I appreciate all the words and that, I mean, it's, sometimes it's the simplest thing just saying Hi, thinking of you. It doesn't have to be anything big and extravagant. It's just being present and showing your love and concern. That means more than anything. And yeah, I was just so grateful that my eyes were open in that aspect of developing the gift of empathy because everyone is dealing with something hard. And, you know, I was saying this, um, Another time when I was talking with others is I was saying, don't try to compare with others. Everyone's going through grief in some way or another. Um, everyone is dealing with grief and it's, you shouldn't ever compare 
even if it is a super similar situation, everyone handles things so differently and goes down their own road a different way that you should never try and compare. Just be there and listen and don't, don't leave them. Don't leave that person be there. So, yeah. I think that is such powerful advice and, you know, you've learned that through your journey and it's been four years, four and a half mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And, and I know that you have connected with the community and share parents mm-hmm. of Utah. And I'm just curious how you connected. Was that pretty soon after? Was that years later? Yeah, no. So, um, it was pretty much immediately after I started, I think, isn't it sure parents that come to the hospitals, right? They're the ones that come to the hospital and do the molds and everything. Yeah. And take pictures. Yeah. So they came right away that night and I have pictures from them as well. And, um, yeah, I joined their Facebook page. I've gone to events. Um, gosh, it's so good to have other people, um, And I actually found somebody who lost her baby, who her baby died the same day as Brayton, same gestation, everything, just a different hospital. And I've been able to connect with her and it's just, it's, it's just amazing seeing the support grow, you know, come in from strangers and then turning into friendships, um, it's just, it's so necessary. You've got to have that support. You've got to have that team. And I feel like through time, which is, this has been the hardest thing is as anyone who's dealt with grief, you know, that you don't ever forget about it. You don't ever move on. You don't ever get better. Um, I, I'm still not who I used to be. And, you know, and there's, there's good things that have been, you know, that have come from it that have made me stronger, but weaker at the same time. And it's hard just dealing with like regular everyday people and you're still carrying that. And so to be able to relate to others that still feel that and understand that it just means so much because I still need that. I still need to be checked in on and I still need to talk about my Brayton because he's still part of my family. I need it still. And so you've got to find that support, whether it be friends or groups, family, neighbors, whatever, D all the above, you've got to find that. And I'm so glad you are so open to say four years later, you still need it. And that Mm -hmm. gives permission to everyone else that 20 years later, it's okay to still need it. Absolutely. It doesn't go away. So what are some things that your family has done to keep Brayton's memory alive? Yeah. So we do, um, there's an annual walk every year that we do. It's a remembrance walk. Yeah. You've probably heard about it. (laughs) Yep. That's right. And we love doing that. We look forward to it. Um, yeah, we do that every year with some other friends that have, they, um, their daughter passed away um, a couple months before Brayton, or like a month before Brayton. And so we've become close with them. And yeah, we love looking forward to that. Um, every year on his birthday week, 
I always make like a little post um, and have everyone like um, comment whatever I'm asking, like, what is your favorite tradition with your family or what is something, I don't know. I just ask some type of a question that people can answer. And then we go through and we draw one of their names and then we send them like a goodie basket just of fun things or whatever. And it's fun for the kids because they get to be part of it. Um, so we do that and then just regular holiday stuff. Um, go to the cemetery, of course. We go to the cemetery really often, um, he's, you know, close by. But we just, he's in our home. He's just, he's literally just always... Like I said, pictures everywhere. So he is just, he's always spoken about and thought about and talked about by our kids, by us. Um, so yeah, he's he's part of our family still. And we honor him as much as possible. And we love talking about him. We love any opportunity to be able to talk about him and bring him up and share about him. Good. And you mean just like any other child in your family, you you know, you talk about your other kids all day, every day, and and mm-hmm. right, it's just the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've shared, you know, the, the wonderful advice about finding your support, finding your community, and not comparing in your grief journey. Is there any last piece of advice that you would either go back and tell Tia you know, four and a half years ago or, or somebody who's going to face it tomorrow. Is there anything else that you would add? <sighs> Don't focus on what's not being done. Focus on what's being done. Um, I'm sure everyone has felt this with any type of grief, loss of a parent, a sibling, child, whatever. Um, of course you have people that aren't going to be there for you or show up like you expect or hope, but you can't focus on that. You've got to focus on everyone around you because the support that is there will just surprise you and totally help carry you. That is such a healthy way to look at it because I mean, every, we can apply that to everything in life. And, Mm -hmm. And this is your most fragile state I could imagine any you know one of the most fragile trials that we could ever go through is losing somebody and that somebody being your baby so so by having that expectation like you just outlined I think is really crucial so I'm glad you said it yeah thanks yeah it's yeah like you said it can apply to any situation in life um I mean, losing your house, losing a job. I mean, people are going to be there and some people aren't. But yeah, choose the happier route. Choose the choose the route of looking at the good of things. Um, and I'm not, you know, applying that necessarily to situations of hard trials. You don't always have to look at the positive because sometimes it just straight up sucks and you're not okay. But, um, but yeah, if you do try to look at and focus on the good stuff that comes from it you'll yeah you'll definitely be surprised and like you said everybody is experiencing some form of grief and you know you might not have been ready to show somebody else the support they needed you know days Mm -hmm. after you never know 
where someone else is at. So sometimes it's not even about you and how they feel about your baby. It's It could just be purely about them and where they are in their life. So like you said, there are people who I believe that God prepares to help you in those times when you need it. And, you know, one person is better than no people, right? Absolutely. It does. It just, it means so much. It's just, yeah. Oh, well, good thing that the camera isn't being shown because I am so touched just learning about Brayden and I feel like I can, I can sense his spirit and I can sense the love that you feel for him so tremendously. So I'm really, truly so grateful you chose to share about him today and I'm glad you love talking about him and I'm hoping that this story can reach so many more ears who need to hear about him and and hear about you and how you were able to survive and how you continue to to cope because like you said it's not over Mm -hmm. but I'm really grateful that you were willing to open up in this part of your journey to you know share the butterfly moments and and the gooey gooey mess so thank you very much Tia of course thank you for letting me talk about him and share our story absolutely and if anybody wanted to contact you because they needed to talk or were in a similar situation is there a good way that they can do that yeah just look me up on good old instagram (laughs) perfect um and i think you can just probably tag me on your post and i'm yeah happy to connect good yeah that's how i connected with you so Yes. I'm really grateful you responded so kindly. So I will include that in the description. And until we talk again, hopefully next week at the walk, you take care and we will be in touch. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Bailey. Okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. Bye. Speaking of transformations, this podcast is brought to you by perhaps the most transformative product that exists for your skin, promycin, an acne treatment that actually works and fast. My cute husband has had acne since he was a teenager, and this summer he used promycin, and for the first time ever, his black was clear. I'm not kidding. I saw a difference after one use, and five days later, the acne was gone. Promycin comes from the Cara Poloni skincare line, and I love and use all of her products, including micro needle powder cleanser, nano silver spray, healing facial serum, hydrating kiss mist spray, and their lip balm. My favorite part is that every ingredient is natural and supplied by the wholesaler Bulk Naturals. So get your skin transformation started at carapaloni.com or simply just Google Promycin.